0: Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to
1: Positive Living. The program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin.
2: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I am Patricia Raskin, and I am always so happy to be on Voice America Because Voice America's goal is to provide live programming on the Internet worldwide that helps you, the listener, make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. And You can listen to this program by just logging on to voiceamerica.com. On Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can call us today with your questions at 888-335-5204. Today we're talking about changing and actually the art of changing and how you can have a better life. My guest is Susan Peabody and she's the author of the best-selling book, The Art of Changing. I mean, the best-selling book, Addiction to Love, and she has a new book that I'm sure will be a best-seller, which is called The Art of Changing, Your Path to a Better Life. And Susan is a counselor, and she guides people in her book. She's a speaker, workshop leader, and guides people in her book with a step-by-step approach to changing your life. Welcome, Susan. It's nice to be on the show, Patricia. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Well, Susan and I have become friends. She was on my program, I don't know, several months ago or a year ago, talking about addiction to love. And since then, you've written your new book, With the Pretty Butterflies on the cover. And your website, again, is Better Tomorrow. Brighter Tomorrow. Brightertomorrow.com. No. Brighter, Brightertomorrow.net. Brightertomorrow.net. And Susan's been writing professionally since 1985. And as I said, her first book, Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships, was published by Ten Speed Press in 1989, and a third edition was published in 2005. And her new book is The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life. Susan, in your new book, one of the first things you talk about is the willingness to change. I mean, it's one thing to be in a relationship or even not be in a relationship, And you have a problem, and people point it out to you, but what if you just say, too bad, I'm not going to change?
3: Well, then you're not, because that is a prerequisite. You have to uh, find the willingness. And sometimes, you know, willingness is very mysterious. Uh, uh, One day we're not willing, the next day we are. Sometimes it's fear-based. We reach a place where we have no other choice. We have to change or die. Sometimes we just outgrow the resistance, and and suddenly we're willing to change. Uh, many people in twelve uh, step programs believe the willingness is a byproduct of prayer, of grace. Uh, that suddenly, you know, the willingness disappears. But it is very mysterious. You can resist for years, and then all of a sudden, finally, just reach a point where you are willing to make decisions to do things differently.
2: Mm-hmm. And How do you know you need to change? Is it because of
3: what you're feeling inside or because of what your loved ones are saying or both? Uh, Well, if if you're in denial, then uh, you may not know you need to change. Mm -hmm. Denial is is just a way to avoid the truth because you're not willing to change. You're afraid of change. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if many, many people in your life you know, are advocating change, uh, you might listen to that. You know, uh, sometimes the voice of change is small, quiet, deep within, uh, and you just ignore it, and other times it's not there at all. You are rigidly addicted to your denial. Right. One
2: of the things you write in your book is that if you recognize something that you don't want to do, so you're not, you're not in denial, you don't want to do it, but you're still doing it, what you're saying is that just being aware of that is the beginning of change,
3: yes, it is because now you uh once you have a choice, once you have the willingness, you can make decisions to to do things differently and uh and so one of the common problems when we uh are trying to change is that we lose that sense of of our goal and what we want to do differently. it seeps back down into the subconscious and we have to keep it in our mind all the time through Mm -hmm. affirmations and mantras and Mm -hmm. signs on our refrigerator that this is what we want to do differently.
2: Do you think, I know you write a lot about 12-step programs, do you think a 12-step program would be real helpful in this when you want to change or do you think that's more for addictive behavior or can anybody be part of a 12-step program?
3: Well, I believe 12-step programs, you know, are mandated if, if you're an addict. Uh, but otherwise, you know, uh, uh, you probably uh, could use, you know, uh, uh, therapy uh, support groups, but not something as serious as a 12-step program confronting mm-hmm. an addiction. Mm-hmm. I do believe that uh, when you're in a group, uh, there is a sense of accountability. You, to maintain your status in the group, you will often be able to do something that you couldn't do in isolation alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think groups can be helpful, uh, and, and it even says in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous that our program for alcoholics would benefit others. Uh, it is a good program, but uh, as a way of life, it's not necessary for people who are just trying to change unless they're addicts. Speaking of change, after you wrote Addiction to Love and it was very successful
2: and you do a lot of support groups, why did you decide to write this book, The Art of
3: Changing? Why did you feel this was important? Well, I was teaching my class, Addiction to Love, from which the book came, and a lot of my students, uh, you know, complained that they had read self-help books and the books weren't helping. and mm-hmm. They were taking classes and the and the classes were very insightful, but uh, they weren't helping. And it just it seemed that it never occurred to them that they had to do things differently. They thought that the class and the book would act like a magic wand and they would be transformed and they wouldn't have to do anything. They wouldn't have to think differently or behave differently or, or you know, uh, change their life in any way. And, and so uh, it was curious to me why they didn't understand they had to change. And I think it was a of uh, uh, another form of denial that change is so difficult and and often painful that uh, they just blocked out the idea that they had to change and and were were grasping at straws hoping you know that the books themselves would would uh, mm-hmm. have some kind of mojo or something and and they'd be different and uh, so even so, if they went to twelve step groups they still didn't
2: realize they had to change you
3: no know, they thought they had to go to meetings they thought they had to I read see. the literature. What people do is they focus on the tools of change, but they don't understand the broader concept, you know. And, uh, you know, so uh, you're an alcoholic, you go to AA, and you think that going to meetings every day is going uh, to keep you sober. And they don't understand that part of going to the meetings is to transform yourself, to mature, to grow to look at things differently, to act mm-hmm. differently. And and so for some reason, this whole concept that a person actually has to change mm-hmm. just doesn't occur to people. And so that was one of my motivations. Even my publisher, when she read the draft, she said, you know, I hadn't thought about that before. Right. You know, here's here's the
2: question. Um, Since you really specialize on addiction to love, which we don't always think of as an addiction, but this whole addiction, what... If someone really was addicted to love, addicted to relationships, which a lot of people are, and they needed to change, what would be the first thing you would suggest? Would you say, well, go try to find somebody who's very different from what you had? I mean, you know, because sometimes people don't know what they have to do differently.
3: Well, I break that down in my book, you know, that first you have to identify and own the problem, you know, uh, so there's... For instance, in my book, there's a, a list of questions you can ask yourself, and, and if you decide, yes, I am an, uh, an addict, and, and, and you own that, you admit that to yourself and, and, and to maybe even one other human being, your therapist or a friend. And, and uh, then you have to do an inventory of uh, 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 your disorder, uh, what you've been doing that you want to do differently. And then you have to start changing your behavior, and you may find that you chase after unavailable people, and that's a pattern in your life, and so you mm-hmm. stop doing that. Or you have uh, a, a boyfriend, and, and you're too possessive and too jealous, and so you stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you start changing how you think as mm-hmm. well as how you act, and, and then your life changes as a result
2: of that. So you have to really change the way you act first, it sounds like. Yeah, behavior it, modification
3: it comes first, absolutely. Because it won't feel comfortable in the beginning, Right. No you're going to be outside your comfort zone. you're going to be frightened and nervous, and it won't seem right to you until you get results. Mhm, mm-hmm.
2: and the typical things with love addiction have to do around being possessive or being in abusive relationships or being in codependent relationships.
3: Well, love addicts, you don't know, come in all different forms. you may be codependent narcissistic you may just have a crush on unavailable people or or you may uh, cling to uh, toxic relationships, or uh, when someone wants to break up with you, you just can't let go, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't move on. Hmm.
2: So what your book is saying is is kind of teaching or guiding you in the art of changing exactly how to make the change, identifying it and then saying, okay, here's what you have to do.
3: Yes, it, it discusses, everything that I ever learned in my 22 years of, of being in, in recovery mm-hmm. uh, about uh, about change. You know, I, I looked at how I had changed. I looked at what other people had done. I just kind of analyzed and dissect the process. Mm-hmm. One of the things in your book,
2: we have a couple minutes left before the break, I'd like to talk about because this really rears its ugly head a lot, is, you know, so many people have been hurt. And in today's day and age where Divorce is rampant, uh, very rampant, uh, among first, second, and third marriages. You know, we're dealing with the past. And in your book, you talk about healing the wounds of the past.
3: Discuss that a little bit. Well, it's a process. Uh, It's best done in therapy because uh, in therapy, you have an enlightened witness, somebody that can mirror your pain and validate and soothe when the pain comes up. But the process is very simple. You identify what happened. Sometimes that means having conversations with with people in your childhood, looking at old photo albums. You know, uh, if you don't remember what happened, you you uh, it's very important that you ask questions, put the pieces of the puzzle together. And once you've identified what happened, you begin writing about it and talking about it. You know, and 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 huh. you uh, feel the feelings that have long been buried and then you release them to the universe through forgiveness or moving on, uh, letting go process.
2: Well, in the book you tell the story of um, just an example of having a couch that was, you know, part of your family and you look at the couch and you hate it and you hate it and hate it until one day you get new slipcovers covers and put it on the couch and it's like a brand new couch and so you see it differently.
3: Yes, uh, and that, that process is very important when uh you continue to have relationships with people from your past, you know. I was angry at my mother for a long time and and I had to look at her differently uh before I could forgive her. I had to see her as is unable to have done any better rather than unwilling to have done any better. And mm-hmm. so looking at things differently, you know, uh, uh I had the same experience, you know, with the, the the couch I had it with a with a a picture that I was looking for the perfect frame and uh, every time I put it in a, a different frame it looked different <laughs> and and then I found a frame that brought out the best in the picture and so reframing is is a process of how you know looking at your past differently putting mm-hmm. a different frame around it same process
2: right all right we're coming up on break here. And I want to tell people how they can get a hold of you and of your books. They can log on to your website, which is brightertomorrow.net. My guest is Susan Peabody, and she's been writing professionally since 1985. Her first book, Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships, was published by 10 Speed Press in 1989, and the third edition was published just recently in 2005. Her brand-new book is The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life. So when we come back, Susan, let's, um, let's talk more about how you change, about helping others, forgiving others, what happens when you get depressed, um, how you build your own self-esteem and you parent yourself, all the things that sound easy but really take a lot of work. So when we come back, we'll talk to Susan more about The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life. You're listening to Positive Living, which is always on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and it's rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. All of my shows are archived on voiceamerica.com. You can log on to voiceamerica.com, look me up as a host, and you can then go to the archive shows, which are on the site. My website is raskinresources.com. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. We'll be right back.
0: For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding: Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. Information you need when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: This is Dr. Pat Basili, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm
0: The defendant,
1: having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately.
0: On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school.
1: When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Trader's Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Trader's Coach, Robin Dane,
0: and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com.
3: everyone.
2: We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. I always say that I'm so happy to be part of Voice America's lineup, because Voice America really believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. You can call us at 888-335-5204. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Or you can listen to the broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. We are talking to Susan Peabody. She's the author of the new book, The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life, and she's the author of the best-selling book, Addiction to Love. Susan is a speaker and a workshop leader and specializes in addiction, and her her website is brightertomorrow.net. Welcome back, Susan. Hi. Okay, we're talking about changing. One of the things you talk about in your book is parenting yourself.
3: What do you mean by that? Well, that's a process that comes out of Eric Byrne's book, The Games People Play, uh, in which he introduced transactional analysis. And and what most people know about that book today is uh, the inner child concept. Uh, Transactional analysis believes that we have three distinct ego states, the adult, child, and the parent. And uh, if you believe that you still have what we call an inner child within you uh, that is, is distinct and palpable and, and you can talk to, then you can have a relationship with that part of yourself and begin healing the past by giving to that inner child what you didn't get uh, from your parents. And so through self-dialogue and imagery, you actually talk to the child and have fun with the child and reassure the child and uh, set limits with a child as if uh, the child were uh, out of control. Say, the part of you that um, is an addict you can personify as a child and you will simply say, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, As a love addict, for instance, the the inner child is the immature part of you that gets addicted to someone and wants to call them 20 times an hour. And the Mm -hmm. adult in you, the adult ego state would simply say, to the inner child, we're not going to do that. You know, we're in therapy now. We're trying to change. We are not going to call 20 times an hour to see if this person is home yet. And so that's what I mean by reparenting. One part of yourself, you know, parenting uh, the more immature part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's very important. And along with that, do you do that by yourself or do you do that in therapy? I do that alone. Uh, I, I think that's a one-on-one process. Uh, a friend introduced me to the concept, and then I read about it. And then for years, it was very popular uh, to do inner child work. It's it's not as popular as mm-hmm. it was, uh, but actually, a lot of therapists don't approve of it. They uh, they feel it's uh, akin to disassociating. So it depends on who you're working with and and yeah. how they feel about transactional analysis. But it's a legitimate form of therapy. It was. Uh, conceived in a therapeutic situation by Eric Byrne.
2: Isn't part of that healing the inner child, I know I've done these exercises, where you write, the, ch- the inner child writes from the non-dominant hand. So if you're right-handed, you write with your left hand, and if you're left-handed, you write with your right hand. And the little child in you speaks. Uh,
3: yes, yeah, so John Bradshaw introduced that concept, and it can be very effective. I do my inner child work through imagery, rather than writing, uh, I just imagine, you know, uh, that little person within me and we, we engage in conversation and, and uh, I actually have uh, children of different ages which represent uh, different parts of my personality. I have a four-year-old mm-hmm. who's wounded and cries all the time. And mm-hmm. I have a 12-year-old who's angry all the time. And uh, my therapist uh, had me give birth to a new uh at some point in my therapy who was very happy and gay and 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 loves life and uh, she's been a great inspiration to me and how do you know when they
2: come out because you just feel it you feel that part of you coming out
3: well i I just you know I was talking to my therapist about how I didn't believe God wanted us to be happy and he was astonished and mm-hmm. and you know and and uh, so I had this goal. Of, uh wanting to be happy uh wanting to believe it was okay to be happy and uh you know he suggested that that uh, i just conceive a, of a child uh, that looked like me who was happy and 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 a child shall lead the way as as the saying goes you know and mm-hmm. and uh, so in taking care of this happy uh bright uh ex- exuberant little child i became happy myself you know and i began to understand that certainly god wanted us to be happy because uh you know uh, it was so natural to this child i named her star and uh it was just a wonderful process i really believe in it hmm. so um it it and it also helps you to be in touch with other parts of yourself yes exactly you know because we we do have uh different parts of our personality mm-hmm. you know what about
2: the parts we don't like, Susan? You talk about that in here well' you talk about accepting there's a there's a yeah facing your shortcomings you write about here
3: well, the parts of ourselves we don't like are, are called our shadow. that's a Jungian term, and uh, I think Jung chose the word shadow because they're shadowy figures in our dreams. We don't know very much about them uh, uh, we we keep them hidden. We often can only see them when we project them onto others and if you've ever had that experience where you loathe somebody uh, for doing something and uh, your emotion is just off the scale and, it, and it's often because you're seeing in them what you haven't acknowledged in yourself. And, and you do, you, uh, you face them and, and make the decision uh, to change them. But in the act of befriending your shadow, um, it's easier to change and if you shame and ignore your shadow, you do have to bring the shadow out in the open and kind of embrace it, and then say, "Okay, we're going to do things differently now." Because shame mm-hmm. blocks change. Mm. Why is that? Well, it it freezes us up. You know, we just can't do anything but go into survival mode and protect mm-hmm. our little psyche when we're At ashamed. It. You know, we, we so just, we try to hide it in a way. Ex- exactly, shame. You know, um, just so toxic, and I talk about how shame has to go before we can change. And Mm. so just embracing the fact that we're not perfect and we have these shortcomings is a very important precursor to actually changing. Mm. We have a couple minutes before break. Do you have
2: um, a story of someone in your workshops or group that, um, just an example of some of this in terms of making a change, maybe a
3: little bit about the process and how they went through it? Well, the story people seem to like the best from my book is, is about my son in which he came out of denial and was able to face the fact that uh, he needed to change. Uh, it came about one day, you know, he was unhappy when I had just gotten divorced and, and he was unhappy and he decided to drop out of school and and uh, I, I was getting mail from school that uh, uh, he was flunking out, he'd missed you know, 60 days in a mm-hmm. row, and was getting all F's, and at the same time, I got a letter from the Talent Gifted Program asking him to join, because he was so bright, and mm-hmm. I was just in tears, you know, because I couldn't even go to school, get him to go to school, and and then a few days later, I was sitting at my desk at the office, and, and the phone rang, and a counselor from the school saying, you know, talking to me about, you know, Carl and his problems, and... And I started crying and and saying, "You know, I have done everything I have disciplined mm-hmm. him, bribed him, begged him, you know, dropped him off at school every mm-hmm. day, and he just goes out the back door and and uh, and then I broke down in tears and said I was crying, you know, uh because I really knew my son could do better, et cetera mm-hmm. and a few months later, I went to uh uh to parent night, he had invited me, and, and to my surprise, you know, he'd been going to school, and I didn't even know it. And, mm. uh, and uh, then he took me out in the garden, and he said, Mom, don't you want to know why, you know, I've gone back to school? And I said, yes, I, I, I would. So he sat me down, and he said, well, you know, that guy that called you, that counselor that calls you, that, that wasn't a counselor. That was me trying to play a joke on you. Mm. And I really heard you know, uh, what I was putting you through. Mm. You were like a mirror for me, and I could mm. see. So he came out of denial, and suddenly he had the willingness to change, mm. you know. Uh, and that um, sorry. It, it was just, hey, he how went on to graduate. A wonder, wow. wonder
2: MBA at, at
3: mm. College. You know, just,
2: All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk more about this, but that's quite a story. Susan PB is my guest, the of changing her book, Your Path to a Better Life. She's the author of the best-selling book, Addiction to Love. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host
1: Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success. Redefining the Meaning of Prosperity, right here on America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. The defendant,
1: having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. defendant will be remanded to custody immediately.
0: On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school.
1: When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council.
0: Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com
1: When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts?
3: Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the
1: most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy
3: every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network.
0: A touch of bullhorn truth, a dash of pop culture lesson, and a pinch of spiritual quest. Dirty Little Secrets with Mike Foster and Craig Gross is an eyebrow-raising discussion of today's hot topic issues in our cultural landscape. Two of the most engaging, if irreverent, men of the clock to ever take religious vows presents hard-hitting interviews with special guests, call-ins, traffic and weather with Junior and Rob, and their special questions you can't ask your mama segment. Broadcasting every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, Dirty Little Secrets will shock you in school move you, and rock you, no matter what you think about sex, free speech, and the Almighty. Find out whether Jesus really does love porn stars as much as he loves pastors. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are
2: back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. My guest today is Susan Peabody. She's the author of the new book, The Art of Changing, Your Path to a Better Life. And she's an experienced speaker and workshop leader and author of the best-selling book, Addiction to Love. Welcome back, Susan. Hi. All right. So we're talking about changing. One of the things that is real important, you hear this often in changing, is forgiveness. Talk about that.
3: Well... If if you're really, really angry with someone, and, and the definition of forgiveness is, is, you know, to be a slave to anger, and uh, it's, it's not good for your health. You know, even if the person deserves your anger, it, it's not good to stay in that state. And so you don't have to be involved with that person. You don't even have to like them. But if you can relinquish the anger and the resentment especially if it's really toxic and destroying you and you're angry at your mother all the time, you take it out on your husband, et cetera, you know. And and uh, so um, when it comes to forgiveness, it's just a matter of changing, you know, uh, how you look at something and relinquishing the anger so that your whole life improves as a result. Your life if changes. you don't
2: relinquish the anger, then it's going to affect what else you do?
3: Well, it puts you in a bad mood, you know uh you're, you're uh, I think I carry everyone on other relationships well, it does spill over into other relationships, you know, for instance, when I was angry at my mother and and I would call my sister to talk about it, and she would defend my mother, so I ended up fighting with her you know and and uh I wouldn't want to go home for uh, the holidays, you know, and so I would be lonely uh. No, I think it's, it's pretty obvious how anger corrupts your life, you know, when it's re-experienced every day through resentment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so forgiveness is, is a process of, for me, I, I went into therapy to learn how to forgive my mother. And uh, it just happened uh one day when I was, you know, telling my therapist that, you know, um, my mom wouldn't do something that I wanted her to do. I I asked her to talk about my childhood and reveal the secrets of my childhood, and she didn't want to do it. She wanted to leave it in the past, and so I went Mm -hmm. into a rage and got angry at her, and I was telling my therapist, you know, that my mom wouldn't help me, and he just got sad, and he nodded his head, and he said, "Oh, uh, oh, she couldn't do that. And I said, what did you say, couldn't? No, she wouldn't. And, and he said, well, I don't know, maybe she couldn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had this yeah. long dialogue about the difference, the, uh, the resonance of that one word, that one letter, couldn't, wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once I decided mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that she actually couldn't, I was able to forgive her because yeah. it was very different than wouldn't. Or
2: sometimes you may be in a relationship with someone who may have a sarcastic tone and make a joke that doesn't sound like a joke, and they they don't realize they're doing it, and you have to say, I'm sorry, it is. And sometimes what I've learned is that people, sometimes they don't mean it. They don't understand. They don't realize the impact until I point it out to them. What do you think, Susan?
3: Well, that's very true, and and that's something you can't take back, and so you have to take that on a case-by-case basis,
2: right right So what you're saying is part of it is understanding and accepting, and part of it is knowing when you can understand, but you may not be able to accept the behavior.
3: Yes, yes,
2: you know in other words, in other words, knowing yourself enough, and maybe that's something else we should talk about. You know, once you've changed, then how do you change in another relationship? Or maybe before you would accept certain things because you always did, but now because you've changed, you can't accept certain things. And even though that may be your tendency to just say, oh, it's okay, now you can't do that anymore. And so it's a change, and it's a different behavior, and sometimes it's hard because you're afraid if you speak up, you're going to lose something. Address that a little bit
3: well as you said it's just a change that you've made from you know not speaking up to speaking up and and uh, with the right person that's going to make things better and with the wrong person then you'll know it's, because they won't accept it yeah it's not going to help at all you know?
2: mhm mhm what else do you think our listeners need to know about the art of changing what well, else is no important
3: you know that changing is is like breathing you know it, it's just an integral part of life. And as I say in my book, you know, uh, change is, is uh, like a metamorphosis. You know, uh, it's, it's a part of life that you can't avoid. And if you're not changing and evolving and growing, uh, I believe you're unhappy because you can't reach your full potential unless you change. Mm-hmm. And so if people are afraid of change because it represents the unknown, or they're they're stuck in their bad habits, or they're addicts. They really have to be inspired by by uh, the whole concept of, of evolving. And we call it self-actualization. Becoming the best person that you can be is the only way to be truly fulfilled. And in order to be the best person you can be, you have to change, because we all are struggling with our shortcomings. Mm-hmm.
2: And you think you can change at any age, or do you
3: think as you get older, it's harder? I think it gets easier when you're older. Less ego that gets in the way. Really? I think uh, age really has nothing to do with it. It's a matter of ego, fear, stubbornness, denial. Those are the things that make it hard to change. And and uh, But young people are particularly stubborn because they're really wedded to their ideas, and and often, you know, as you grow older, you become wiser. You know, you've learned a few lessons and you really uh, are more able to relinquish the ideas that aren't working anymore.
2: Let's talk about um, the role of
3: the mentor and the role model. Well, role models give you an example of, of what to do. You know, uh, for instance, when I discovered that uh, I lacked what Daniel Goleman Calls emotional intelligence you know uh, i wanted to do something about that but i didn't have a clue as to what to do and and uh, i didn't know you know other than books about etiquette and manners you know i didn't know what social skills were and so uh i found a role model you know in my daughter uh i just observed her i noticed that she listened to people uh and whereas i didn't and and Uh, She was uh, patient, whereas I wasn't. And uh, I just started copying her behavior, you know, using that as an example. And and mentors also, you know, tell you uh, what you might do differently. And and, uh, so observing people and listening to people who are mature, who have what you want, that's the saying from 12-step programs. So I think mentoring and role modeling is very important. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's talk about um, progress and not perfection for those folks who, you know, they want to change and they want to do it right, exactly right.
3: Well, perfectionism is an impediment to change because change, you know, sometimes happens quickly, but for the most part it's, it's a process and it's tedious. And, uh, there are many people who have an all or nothing attitude. Uh, and if your perfectionism is shame based, if you have to be perfect or something's wrong with you, then the slow process of change will become an excuse for not changing at all and steeping yourself in denial. So
2: you use it as an excuse almost.
3: Yeah. Gee, you know, and, I, I can't do it right, so I'm not going to do it at all. People get stuck because they have this need to to do it perfectly. And and uh, I was just watching a show about uh, obsessive compulsive hoarders, and one of the reasons they don't clean their house is because it they unless they can clean the house perfectly and everything is in its place and completely orderly, they don't want to even get started. And I found that interesting. Mm. So so perfectionism is definitely an impediment to change. Mm. Okay. Again, we've got a couple minutes left. Um,
2: Talk a little bit about Amazing Grace. That's a beautiful part of your book.
3: Well, I, for years and years, did not believe in God because I hadn't experienced god and and I went to church and I saw other people that believed and didn't understand what that was all about and but I worked myself uh to a place you know in which my life was a mess and I was ready to have a nervous breakdown and certain things fell into place and I was able to get help and and I felt that there had somehow through synchronistic experiences been a divine intervention. And I began wondering if there was indeed some force, some benevolent force in the universe that reached out to aid us when we were in trouble. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I wondered to myself, have I been saved? Have I been helped? And I went through Mm this period of maybe, maybe not. I Mm -hmm. don't know. I'll never know. And... um, And then I had a spiritual experience in which I came to believe that, yes, there was a a force in the universe that came to our aid when Mm -hmm. we were on the right path, which is, you know, what Joseph Campbell believes. And and I decided to have a relationship with this. I called this benevolent force God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I use the word higher power. Sometimes I use the word goddess. But it's just an energy force that is intricately entwined in my life uh, and, and I have this wonderful relationship that fulfills me, and I believe this, this course helps me and guides me. And when we come back, you have 12 Steps to a Better Spiritual Life that we're going to talk about
2: in the Amazing Grace piece. My guest is Susan Peabody. Her book is The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life. She's the best-selling book of Addiction to Love. You can log on to the website, which is brightertomorrow.net. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
0: For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to voiceamerica.com.
1: Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the greyhound. Learn about the history of the greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. Right here on America's Voice,
0: VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting your world, the internet's number one talk and information station, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at one o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for life on your terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R.
0: every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com the world leader in internet talk radio Internet Talk Radio You're listening to America's Voice Voiceamerica.com
2: Hi everyone we are back you're listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on Voiceamerica.com America's Voice Positive Living has been on Voice America for three years. We're going into our fourth year, and I've just had a great opportunity for many years on the air, both on local radio and on the Internet, to interview guests that help you make the right decisions in your life, to have the the life that empowers you and brings you joy and success, which I totally believe. So that's what I do. My guest today is Susan Peabody. She's the author of the new book, The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life and she's the author of the best-selling book, Addiction to Love. Her website is brightertomorrow.net, and you can still call us at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. Welcome back, Susan. Hi. Okay, in your first book, Addiction to Love, you talk about the relationship between spirituality and change. And you have 12 steps to a better spiritual life. And I'd like to read them and have you comment on them. Meditation is one. Prayer, talking to God. Being being humble, having humility. Studying, being simple, slowing down. Taking time with solitude. Submission, surrendering everything to God. Service, reaching out to people. Confession, finding someone you can trust and confide in. Worship, being in awe of your higher power. Celebration, being grateful, and guidance, working with a mentor who is in contact with God. Talk about those.
3: Well, those are all tools that that I used and and decided to put into a formula for others. Uh, I explored them uh, one by one. I was introduced to the concept of prayer and meditation through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and... Uh, a lot of the other disciplines uh, I read about in a book called "The Celebration of Discipline," you know, uh, uh, by a Quaker author whose uh, name I have forgotten. Oh, Richard Foster. And uh, when I had my spiritual experience, one of the first books I, I read was "The Celebration of Discipline," and it opened me up to this idea that whatever had happened to me was elusive and, and may drift away. If I didn't do something to kind of hold on to it. And, uh, the analogy I use is going to the gym, you know, and you go to the gym and you build some muscle and you have to keep going or you're going to lose that muscle. Mm-hmm. And so spiritual disciplines are a way to hold on to, to, uh, and to fan the flame if you just have a spark of, of belief this is a way to sand that flame in, into the burning bush, so to speak, you know. And so each one of them work, and, and I don't do all of them all the time. Uh, my favorites are giving it away in order to keep it, helping others. As a teacher and a writer, I really enjoy helping others. What do you, what do you mean,
2: Susan, giving it away in order to keep it?
3: Well, you know, if you have learned something about spirituality uh,
2: that has helped
3: you through a teacher or a book or a class, Mm-hmm. When you take the time in conversation to help someone else and to pass on that information mm-hmm. you're giving it away you know uh, you're sharing the wealth with someone else and the more time you spend helping others to experience what you're helping what's helped you, the more you benefit and and mm-hmm. uh, the law of replenishment you know uh, you just uh, the, the the pot you know is bottomless you know mm-hmm. because you're giving it away, and somehow it's filling back up again.
2: What we have a few minute, couple minutes left. What advice do you give to people who have been through tough relationships and are, you know, now entering new relationships, and you know they may have been addicted or they may have had issues,
3: and they need to change. What advice do you give to folks? Well, I like them to do an inventory of all the things that they've done in past relationships, starting with. Uh, who they've chosen and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, get in touch with the patterns. You know, many of my clients will will discover that they they everyone they've ever loved was unavailable, or mm-hmm. everyone they've ever loved was narcissistic. You know, or everyone they ever loved reminded them of their father, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. their father was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so, a real understanding of what you've done up to this point, so you can determine the kind of people that you should avoid and Mm -hmm. the kind of people that you should gravitate toward. Mm -hmm. And then you go out in search of of the people that that are good for you, that you're compatible with, and you avoid the people that are toxic, you know, uh, that you've identified in the inventory that are toxic, and you avoid Mm -hmm. those. And and then, you know, you do read books and take classes about social skills. I always recommend A Fine Romance by Judith Sills because it's a very good book, a how-to book, on relationships, you know, and I really believe in this day and age we need to learn about that. We can't wing it. We just don't know either because we didn't have good role models as children, or because the the rules of relationships have changed so much in the last twenty years. You mm-hmm. know that we need to, to to do some research on how to do this. How long should we date before we commit, or before we have sex mm-hmm. before we get married? You know, mm-hmm. an explanation of what courtship is, learning how to communicate. You know, communication. You know, fifty years ago was Nita and Eugene. You know, and now mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. very different. And people need to learn how to do that. You know, mm-hmm. and young people, you know, uh, aren't learning that from the music they listen to. You know, they're going to have to read a few books.
2: So what you're basically saying is, do an inventory and look at who you've chosen and if there are patterns.
3: Yeah, <laughs> look at what that. you want to do differently. You know, mm-hmm. did you always move too fast? Did you marry someone three weeks after you met? And so mm-hmm. now you're mm-hmm. going to change that. You're, you're right. You know, uh, change really begins, you know, not in the very beginning. At first you 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 know, you uh uh you have to identify what has to be changed, you know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Okay. All right, Susan, we're just
2: about out of time, so in thirty seconds, what is your message? What would you like people to get out of this interview today on the
3: art of changing? Embrace change. It is a natural process that will fulfill you. Don't be afraid of it. Don't avoid it. You know, I'm moving today, and I'm frightened, but I am moving today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Feel Mm -hmm. the fear and do it anyway, which Mm -hmm. is the name of another great book.
2: Mm. Thank you so much for being on the program.
3: Oh, you're welcome.
2: Thank you. Susan Peabody, who is the author of the book, The Art of Changing Your Path to a Better Life, and her brand-new book, um, this is her brand-new book, but she is the author also of the best-selling book, Addiction to Love. And you can log on to her website, which is brightertomorrow.net. Stay on the line for a minute, Susan. Um, Folks, I want to tell you about next week's show right here on voiceamerica.com. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Brock. Her name is Dr. Ravinia Brock, Ph.D., award-winning African-American nutritionist, fitness expert, and author of Dr. Rose's Ten Secrets to Live and Healthy. She will present a science-based health program based on diet, nutrition, and exercise that addresses the unique needs, interests, and lifestyles of the African-American woman. And you can log on to AskDrRowe.com. Remember, folks, that Positive Living is always on VoiceAmerica.com on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. The rebroadcast is on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can log on to VoiceAmerica.com. Look me up, Patricia Raskin, under hosts, and listen to the archive shows. My website, RaskinResources.com, is also being revised, as is my book, Pathfinding Seven Principles for Being or Positive Living, and that's raskinresources.com. I love you all. I wish you happiness and good health and success and everything that you want. And until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great day.
3: Informative.